If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Have some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm leisure. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gon' break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Blackwell Renaissance Podcast. Your boy David Bellar, one fourth of the Blackwell Renaissance, checking in with my brothers. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Blackwell Renaissance Podcast. I'm feeling great, man. Blessed to be here. We got another beautiful Saturday. Well, it's not the most beautiful day, but we're going to make the most out of it. As y'all can tell, we got another guest Yo. in-house, so the energy going crazy. I'm feeling great. How the rest of y'all doing, my brothers? Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here, checking in, checking in, feeling good on this great Saturday. Can't complain, can't complain. How you doing over there, Jared? What's good, y'all? It's your boy Jared, checking in. Feeling 
feeling good on this great Saturday, man. Ready to get into this episode, man. Yeah, man. Yes, indeed. And it's crazy, man. It's been a minute since all four has been on the pod. I just Hell thought yeah. about it. Like, it's been like since episode 100. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a hey, little man. minute. It's a special occasion. And once again, y'all, like as always, we got another special guest. As my brother Jalen pointed out, we got a brother in the building. He out here showing people how to get to the bread. He is originally out of L.A., out here killing it in the out-of-state investing game and with the podcasting game, my brother Samuel Docini. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about this opportunity and looking forward to getting into it. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Sam, we appreciate you coming out. And before we get into the whole thing, everything, I want to ask everybody to take the time out to like, subscribe, rate, comment. It helps us grow the show and helps us continue to grow the platform. Thank y'all for that. So, Sam, man, we want to get right into it, my brother. So for anybody that's unfamiliar with you, can you give them an introduction to who you are and what got you into real estate? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, my name is Sam Delcine. Uh, currently live in L.A. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I've been in L.A. for about five years. And just to make it short, a couple years ago, I hit a turning point. I was looking at my retirement account. They have these calculators where you can kind of see, you know, what you'll project if your salary increases by so much. And I'm like, all right. I went to it. I was like, okay, I want to have this amount of money each year. And what I realized is that, wait a minute, this is going to run out. So I'm like, all right, I need to figure out something. I kind of panicked. I'm like, I need to figure out something, another way to make money outside of my job slowly over time so that in the long term, when it comes to retirement, like mm -hmm. I'm good. You don't mm -hmm. have just some more income coming in. So that's really what got me started. I used to think real estate was this big, unachievable thing. And then through research, I realized there's other ways to do it which ultimately led me to invest in out of state. Mm. So was this whenever you were already in LA that you decided to get into real estate or was this whenever you were in New York? Yeah. So it was when I was in LA. And so I had went to like a mortgage guy, a real mm -hmm. estate professional. I was like, Hey, I want to get into real estate. Like what can I qualify for? He's like, Oh, you might be able to get a little condo in Long Beach. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so <laughs> I started researching from there just like, all right, how can I get into real estate? And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, maybe I got to get a job. Maybe I got to go back to school, get MBA or something, make six figures. Then I could buy real estate. And then I stumbled upon properties outside of LA. And I'm mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, there are people who are doing this, like people who are buying property and they don't live there. They don't go on that block every day. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I'm like, all right, I need to figure out a way to get this done. So that was it for me. Like I tried to get into it in LA. At that time, I just couldn't afford anything. And I stumbled upon out-of-state investing and I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to do this. Can you talk about like what some of those numbers look like in the LA housing market? Because mm -hmm. I always hear about like, you know, just the Cali, LA market is crazy. And like you said, he's telling you you can get a condo, but like what type of numbers were those for that type of property? Yeah. For condo, this is probably like four years ago, under 500,000. So maybe like two, $300,000 or so ballpark, but it could be more. Mm -hmm. By like what? Three bed, two bed? Probably, yeah. Like a two bed? Yeah. And Damn. me paying the mortgage on my, like, on my own. There's mm -hmm. no house hacking or nothing like that. So I'm like, you know, I need to eat too. So, so what brought you to the out-of-state investing? Mm -hmm. How did you get on that wavelength? Were you, how how'd you stumble upon it? Yeah. So from that moment when I realized I wanted to get into real estate, mm -hmm. I started reading everything. I started looking for podcasts. I started going on bigger pockets. I know people don't like bigger pockets, but you know. <laughs> I got a credit. It's a resource. Yeah, it's still a resource. Yeah. Yeah. I got to credit it because that's how I learned everything. And there's this lady who I found, she was just writing posts about investing out of state and turnkey investing, which we can get into. And I just saw people buying properties for like a hundred thousand, 
less than a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And that to me seemed achievable. I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, okay. So I've spent about a year just studying, trying to figure out how to get things done. And so probably fast forward a year after I started researching, I was able to, you know, buy my first property, um, which I can definitely dive more into that. But Bigger Pockets, man, it really helped me out a lot. I connected with a lot of people, mm-hmm. like some people who still help me to this day. That's dope, You man. know, so, yeah. That's real dope, my brother. And so before you even got into like the real estate, mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you had to have lined up mm-hmm. in order for you to be successful in this transition? So I needed to figure out how to finance it. Mm-hmm. And that was like the biggest hurdle because like currently I work for a sporting goods company as a retail recruiter, but prior I was working in the education field. So that's what brought you out to LA? That's what brought me out to LA. I got a job opportunity with like a charter school out there, helping them recruit teachers. So I did that for a couple of years, mm-hmm. went to another school for a couple of years. And then I've been with the sporting goods company since December. But, you know, education, you don't make that much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I got to get creative. And during that time period, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And one mm-hmm. thing that stood out to me, and I know, you know it's a pivotal book. People man. don't like Kiyosaki, but Hey, gotta, man, once again, the resource. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have to like a person to get what they got to say in the message. Man, I like that so much. I like that so much because I learn from people I don't like all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't have to like who you are as a person. Like, do you have information that can help me get to the next level? I'm going to tell you this. I don't really <laughs> like Trump, but I'm trying to figure out how to not pay them taxes. <laughs> That's all I got to say, man. Yeah. So, like, all right, I don't make that much money. So I, I uncovered two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did was I put my student loans into forbearance mm-hmm. around the time I started researching. I'm like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing, but let me set some money aside. And I was paying a lot of money. I was able to save some money that way. And then the second thing I did was I took a loan against my retirement account. I just called them. I said, hey, I want to use some of this money. Like, what's mm-hmm. my options? And they said, you can take it out, pay this fat tax bill, or you can borrow up to 50% of it and pay yourself back with interest. So I did those two things and I was able to come up with the money for the down payment. And then I had to like figure out, all right, I have a plan for the money. What am I going to do for the property? Mm. And I can dive more into that too. Yeah, for sure. Man, yeah, I, that, I, wanna, I definitely want to get into that. I like the that, creativity with it. Yeah, that. like a lot of people always look at it and think about the barriers and be yeah. like, oh, I got these student loans. I can't do that. Can you talk more about going into forbearance with it? Because, you know, we hear stuff like that with student loans and we automatically think, oh, man, this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But like you use this strategically. So can we get into that song? Yeah, for sure. So I was paying a lot of money, man. I was paying maybe like $500 a month from like. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say. This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. When I was 22 years old, so that's probably, I don't know, five or six years. And so that's a huge cash flow that's going out. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, thankfully I have federal loans. Mm -hmm. The interest rate isn't that high. So I'm like, okay, I think this is a risk worth taking. And I put that money into like a Betterment account, which made more than the interest of the loan. So, so it is like, it like a high interest savings account? Something like that. Like you could do like a mix of like stocks and bonds type stuff. It's like a robo investing type of thing. Okay. So um, this is like through an app. Through an app. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm like, it seemed like a risk worth taking. I'm like, I'm probably gonna be paying these loans forever. <laughs> and this property is gonna make me money the day I buy it. So for me, it was worth the risk. 
the quote unquote risk, I was gonna have to start paying again anyway. And I just had no other choice. Like from my nine to five, I couldn't save enough money mm-hmm. to really do much because I wasn't making that much and I'm living in LA. So I had to find another creative strategy, but I always say it's not professional advice, but it could be something to look into if you want to redirect your money towards a business or towards investing in real estate or something. Mm. Can you go into like forbearances for those who don't mm-hmm. know what that means and kind of explain that concept? Yeah. So forbearance is basically if you put your student loan into forbearance, you don't have to pay it for that period of time. So the way my plan worked was for 12 months, I could put into forbearance for whatever my reason was, and then it would just resume the payment on the 13th month. So that's pretty much what happened with me. I ended up going on lower payments just so I wasn't paying so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's basically a 12-month pause on your student loans. And that 12-month pause created opportunities for you to create that cash flow. So yep. I kind of want to talk about the way you leverage a nine to five too, mm-hmm. because nowadays you see a lot of people shitting on the nine to five. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of people talking about people with the nine to five, mm-hmm. but you use their retirement account, right? That match. I'm pretty sure you was using the match that the company was using. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know. I didn't know that you can take advantage of it like that. Like you said, you take that 50% out and you borrow it against yourself and then you're paying yourself back plus interest. So it's not like you're paying a bank back, mm-hmm. you're paying yourself back. So it's really an advantageous win-win situation for yourself. Yep. No other way, like every way that you put it, like it's a win-win. So that's smart that you've done that. So did you just know, you know, I got this money. I don't know if I can use it. And that's why you just called them. Or did you hear about that strategy from somewhere? Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, all right, what can I do? I was literally turning over every stone. I'm like, what can I do to get some more money for this property that I want to buy? So I just called them up and I'm like, all right, I did some research. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. So I called the rep mm-hmm. and I said, what are my options? I'm like, all right, I'm not going to pay that big tax bill. If I calculate what I can borrow, match with what I've been saving, this is enough money. So I just called them up. I, no one told me about the strategy. I didn't know until I called them. And I'm like, hey, I need to use some of this money. I got the money in less than two weeks. Hey, that's, that's dope. That's really <laughs> smart. Taking action and getting so, it out. Now, I do want the listeners to understand that if you do do that, if you do take it from your 401k or your IRA that your job gives you, the only risk that I will say is that if you do get fired or if you do quit, that loan, depending on where you get it from, it could be due after you do lose your job. So yeah. just be aware of that. Good point. Definitely. That is something definitely to be mindful of. You don't want to have to have that whole thing doing full. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I do want to kind of get into the deal with you mm-hmm. now, Sam, because like you said, you went into forbearance, you got this money together, borrowed this money. So what was the deal? It was in the Midwest. So can we get into that? Yeah. Yeah. So it was in um, Dayton, Ohio. And the way I got there is a funny story, man. So I heard about this concept called turnkey investing. Mm -hmm. Can you break that down for us? Absolutely. So a turnkey property is basically a property that's ready to go. Like it's already rehabbed and you basically just need to put a tenant in there. So you're getting it from the flipper. Basically. So Mm -hmm. these, these turnkey companies, they flip the properties to investors and there's pros and cons. The pros are that it's lower risk. Mm Mm-hmm perceived lower risk, I guess, because it's already rehab. So for somebody who's new like me, I'm like, dang, I'm not close to this place. You know, hey, you got to you don't have to worry about managing the team Mm -hmm. and contractors, all this other stuff. All these issues right off the bat because they just finished it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one of the pros. Yeah. You know, it won't need a lot of maintenance or a lot of work throughout the years. Um, Typically, these companies have property management in place. So they place a tenant for you. They basically hold your hand through the entire process, which mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Okay, this seems like a good way for me to go. The cons are that 
you're buying at market rate. Mm-hmm. You have zero equity pretty much. So that's the con. And typically as, you know, real estate investors, you want to buy under the equity and stuff like that. So that's one of the cons, I would say, because you're buying at market rate. And what I realized after we'll get into the deal, but what I realized shortly after is that I could have got a similar property for half the price. But for the deal, it was in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I went out to visit with the company. They bought me around different properties, properties that were demoed, properties that were in the middle of rehab, properties that were sold. And they walked me through what was coming down the pipeline. So I, you know, they showed the numbers. And I'm like, okay, I like this property. I went back home. They called me a month later. They said, this is not available, but your second choice is available. And it's a property near downtown Dayton. It was about 90,000, put 20% down. Single family? Single family, single family, three bed, two bath. And Dayton is a pretty cool city, man. And what I liked about it is that it was not popular. Mm. So you go on the forums, you go on bigger pockets. No one's talking about Dayton. They're talking about Cleveland, maybe talking about Cincinnati, other places in the Midwest, Detroit. But like, not talking about it. Not talking about it. And one thing people definitely need to know, like you need to do analysis when Mm -hmm. you're looking at a real estate market. You need to know what jobs are coming there. You need to know what are the indicators of growth? Are they putting money into the city? Mm -hmm. And they were putting millions and billions into the downtown. You know, rebuilding the roads, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is a good opportunity and a good place to invest. And so thankfully, you know, it worked out and I can dive deeper into any mm-hmm. part of yeah, the purchase yeah. process. You kind of just touched on the whole yeah, thing like that. Yeah. Lot, man, market <laughs> analysis. Like, yeah. So what is obviously you just mentioned like factors like reinvesting in the city and, and yeah. the, mm-hmm. the jobs. So like what are some resources that you use to go and for, find this information? For out of state investors. Yeah. hundred percent. So one thing I would do is look up Google the city and city plans, development, new developments, mm-hmm. any city that's putting money into their city, they're going to have a website dedicated to it. So they had like a downtown mm-hmm. Dayton website. I know Detroit has something similar. Different places have similar things. So you want to look at like new developments. Are they mm-hmm. building more stuff? You know, are people buying up houses there? You want to network too. You want to talk to people, whether it's virtually, whether you go there in person as well. You want to know our companies staying, our companies leaving. That's something you want to know as well. Yeah, those are a couple of things I would say that are important to know, but the company itself, they sent me a lot of resources, a lot of this analysis. And I also just kind of Googled mm-hmm. and just figured out like, all right, what are the new things happening in this city? You know, what are the jobs? So, you know, I had a list of like the top 10 places people are working. A lot of them were federal. A lot of them were medical. They're probably not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a diverse set of employers. So I'm like, all right, my tenant is probably going to have somewhere to work. Mm-hmm. So I would say those are definitely some things that can help you understand because, you know, you don't want to really invest in a dying city where, Thanks. I mean, population goes up and down, but if there's a city that's so clear that there's nobody living there, yeah, you can get a property for $500, but who you going to rent to? Who, who going to put, yeah, who <laughs> go, where you going to make your money at? Exactly. So those are a couple of things I would say. Mm. I kind of want to get into the research that you did. Mm-hmm. So somebody that's investing out of state, you know, there's 49 other states to invest into. You know, how do you dive into like, okay, this is the city that I'm looking for. 100%. 100%. So I would say the Midwest and some parts of the South are great places to start. I mean, I would just look for the large cities, large cities within those states. So you think about Ohio, you mm-hmm. think about like Cleveland, you think about Columbus, you think about Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah. And Dayton is kind of like not too far from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like you want to also look at cities that are kind of outside. On the outskirts. Exactly. Exactly. Because Dayton, you know, it's a smaller city, but there's a lot of good stuff happening there. So or whether that's in Detroit, maybe you want to look in like a suburb or a smaller city that's near it or something like that. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. I would say start with the bigger cities within that state 
Start looking at the property prices. Start looking at what's happening there. So I would say Midwest and the South, you can't go wrong in terms of like affordability. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the coastal states, then it's kind of like, you know, get a little some bit. of the coastal states, especially Northeast, especially the Pacific, like California, Oregon, Washington, it's hard to find opportunities there for properties you don't want to live in. I got you. Yeah. I got you. And how did you make your choice as far as your tire and key company to work with? Was it like multiple options or? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was multiple options. So I got connected to a company in, I believe it was in Louisville and then a company in Ohio. No, sorry, St. Louis and Ohio. St. Louis didn't reply. The ones in Dayton replied. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of went with them. And I bought this book called, it's a turnkey investing book. I forgot who wrote it, but it basically taught me about like what to look for, how to vet them properly, how to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and serving you correctly. So that book, I literally had it side by side through the whole closing process just to make sure it wasn't a funny business happening. But yeah, I got an email introduction to two companies. One of them replied and I kind of just went with them. Hey, that's right. Really, I love it. Yeah, bro. that's really dope, <laughs> my brother. Like if anything for listeners to take out of this, like if it's one consistent theme through this, bro, if you listening, he don't have it all figured out. Yeah. But my brother's doing two things. He's taking action he and he's making like, it happen. Taking calculated risk. Mm-hmm. I'll say it like that. Like, I'm not just going to hop into it. I'm going to do my research first, but then I'm going to hop into it. Like, people too often, we want the results without having to take the risk. I just want that to be, like, highlighted here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to talk a little bit deeper about the property. Mm-hmm. So you paid 90000 for it. What type of numbers were you projected to start getting on your investment? Yeah, so they placed a tenant for me. I went with the property management that the turnkey company provided. And the reason I did that is because... A lot of times when you are a landlord and you have like a, a property management company mm-hmm. placing a tenant for you, it's a pretty large fee you got to pay them. Like 10%? Uh, well, I guess to place a tenant, sometimes they want a portion of the rent. Sheesh, first month or like all? Uh, like in perpetuity? It, it depends. Like a one-time payment. Okay. Oh, I was about yeah, to say, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, if they suck, I'll just get rid of them, which I did. But I'm like, all right, it's basically free. All right, let me let them place somebody. Yeah. Um, At least they placed the tenant and now you can still get rid of them, right? Exactly. Exactly. So as far as numbers, the tenant paid $900 a month plus $50 a month in pet rent. And at the time, the mortgage was like $453 and the property management fee was like about $95. So that's like $300 or so in cash cash flow. flow. So it's pretty good. That's kind of what I was looking for Mm -hmm. starting off. So that's what the numbers were looking like at that time. So after that, you got more properties, correct? So that's the property I have right now. I mean, it's hard to find good deals, man. Like I've been looking for deals since then. I had a business partner I was working with. We had some deals that started um, that didn't go through. So still looking for deals all the time. But right now, that's the property I have. Okay, I got you. I got you. So with that, though, Mm -hmm. you took your real estate experience. You also started your podcast. Yeah. So I kind of want to get a little bit deeper into that. What inspired you? to start your podcast Mm -hmm. and just tailor it specifically to real estate? Because I didn't have it. I didn't have that information for people who looked like me. Mm. And I remember during the summer, 2019, before I started the podcast, I talked to my friend. I'm like, man, what if I started a podcast talking about black real estate investors? And he's the guy who does my logo. He does all my design. Mm -hmm. And he said, just do it. I'm like, "Uh, all right. (laughs) I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. But I'm like, okay, this is something I want to do. I want to contribute to my community. I want to share stories that aren't being told because these stories have to be out there. Mm -hmm. And so 
the podcast started literally the same week I closed on the property, which was not intentional wow. during the week of October 15th. I think the podcast came out and then I closed the next day oh, wow. um, or vice versa, one of those two. And so, yeah, for me, it was just putting out stories like I had been off social largely for like maybe three or four years. So I had to learn how to use Instagram again. I had to learn so many things. But I think the big driving force for me was, you know, I believe I have the capacity to learn anything. And I'm just like, you know, I'll just get better as I go. You know, things are a lot better now. Like I have someone helping me produce it and stuff like that. So it's a lot better. I'm, I've learned a lot more. But that was it for me. Just making sure people in our community have the information. Mm-hmm. You know, we're smart. Like we're all knowledgeable. But we don't have the information. You know, we don't it's have not it. relatively available. Exactly. And yeah. also coming from someone who looks like exactly. us. Exactly. That's the big thing. That's been the big thing for me. So I think we are 70 episodes in. I love it. So starting your real estate podcast right after starting your real estate journey, how would you say it's helped you as a real estate investor? Oh, my gosh. It's given me so much information. It's been like a crazy networking tool. Like right now, I'm trying to do the house hacking thing in L.A. And the only reason is, guess, Mark Jones. Mm-hmm. He's living rent free on Instagram. You've probably seen him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So after talking to him, because he lives in L.A., he lives not too far from me. I live in Inglewood. He lives in South L.A. And he's explained the process to me. I'm like, man, this is doable. I thought it was impossible to invest in L.A. He's like, oh, no, nah, you just got to do this. You got to do this. You can use FHA. You can use NACA. So I think it's opened up my mind to what's possible. Mm-hmm. It's helped me out, like, you know, issues I've had with the property. I got people who are a call, who are a text away, who've helped me out. So I think it's been a great networking tool. I learn from every guest. So it's been really influential. Is that how you learned? You remember in the beginning, you said, you know, I could have got that same property of that same type for half off. Is that how you learned about that? I kind of want to know, like, yeah. how'd you figure that out? Yeah. So it's funny. Actually, one of the women I met on Bigger Pockets, a black woman who lives in Dayton, I actually called her. We spoke on the phone last week. So we were in the messages. I'm like, hey, this is my property that I got. This is how much I got it for. Uh, what about yourself? She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got mine for like 40,000. All needed was some pain. I'm like, what do you mean? What you? <laughs> I'm like, what? That's possible? Because the challenge with a lot of these forums, man, is that they'll have you thinking that anything below a certain price is garbage. And it's not true. Mm. Like in you know, bigger pockets, especially like the way they attack Detroit. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Like, I ain't gonna lie. Like, especially like invest in the hood. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they're war, zone. Like shit war zone. Yeah. That's, and that's war zone like, profits. Yeah, there's like some ignorant people in the forums, man. So that was my mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I guess it has to cost 100000 to be worth anything. But she's just showing me pictures like, oh, yeah, this is the address. Check it out. I'm like, are you serious? So, you know, and I think through the podcast as well, because I've had guests who, you know, buying properties under $50,000, they might need maybe new cabinets or new paint or something. And it's cash flowing them pretty good. So I think in part, definitely mm-hmm. the podcast has helped me to realize that as well. Hey, that's really dope, man. Yeah. And even with us, like with, our guests and all the people that we talk to, like it helps us so much. It's an educational growth. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. as well as the audience. Yeah. Because we get to learn as well as y'all, like it definitely helps us that we get to connect. Like you say, we get to text these people, call Mm -hmm. these people. Cause just as a networking tool of what a podcast can do, Mm -hmm. it can boost you and take you to a whole nother level that you never thought was possible and put you in rooms that you never thought you would be in. Mm. Yep. 100%. I had one more question yeah. regarding the, the out-of-state investing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think we were talking about it a bit off camera before. Mm-hmm. Can we get into some of, like, how it is managing that property where it's out-of-state? Because I know you mentioned to us that you self-manage now. You let go of the property manager. So how is that, like, being – how many miles is that, like, 800 or something away from oh, man. Ohio? You in L.A. 
Yeah, California to Ohio. I don't even know, man. It's probably <laughs> 2,000 plus or something. But, you know, I'll be transparent. Like the property manager, they have been on their last straw for quite some time. I think that's the term. I don't know. But, what the uh, doing last, like that, man? Last, last leg. So I ran into a couple of issues, man. So when each month they submit like a statement, all right, this is what we took, this is what we deposited to you. And eventually they started submitting what's called work orders. And work orders is basically the tenant requesting. Correct. Like the repairs and stuff. So I saw a note. It said, fence has been falling down. It's collapsed since December. And this was like in the last spring. And so I'm like, hey, what's the deal? What's going on with this? So they said, oh, you know, we'll send somebody out to fix it, so on and so on and so forth. And so long story short, it took months to get this repair done. They had to replace, it's like a wooden fence, like a really big lot. So it's like a wooden fence. They had to replace it. They had to paint it. Sheesh. They finally did it. It took a month to replace a fence? Months to replace a that's fence. A, that's a day's worth of work. But, right. okay, I am thinking, though, it's cold <laughs> up there, man. Yeah. <laughs> In the winter, it's cold up there, man. But, so, like... Y'all had to wait till the spring. So I found out in the spring they didn't get it done till sometime in the summer. Um, yeah, yeah, they was fucking so they up. sent me pictures and so on and so forth. And then when I went to visit, that was it for me. Cause you ever felt like, cause I wanted to see the property, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it. I did my whole process remotely, so I never went inside the property. Closing and everything. Closing and everything. I did everything remotely. Like I had a notary meet me at a Starbucks in Inglewood to sign everything, but I saw pictures and I had an inspector. Someone referred me to, so everything was good. But yeah, so. It's like when I got there, I felt like I was bothering them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm just trying to get inside the property. And eventually I did without the property manager. But long so story short, they didn't want to let you in your own shit. They said they weren't going out of their way to make sure they were there. Like they missed the appointment mm-hmm. and they weren't going out. I'm like, hey, I'm leaving on this date. And then the lady who I know out there, she said, just tell them if you can just go in without them. And that ended up being the better option. Like she came with me. We went, you know, we saw the property. We, everything was cool. Um, met the tenant and everything. So shortly after that, I gave him my notice. I'm like, hey, I'm moving on. And then it's like, oh, all right, it's on you now. So from there, I had to get a lease for the tenant to sign. I had to get them on to like a platform. So I use apartments.com to collect the rent. So they submit requests and stuff like that. And it is pretty daunting, you know? Like she had an issue with the furnace. She had no heat. Mm -hmm. So she hit me up on a Sunday and she had no heat. And it's the middle of the winter in Ohio. Damn. So the woman who I know, she said, call this heating company. And they came the next day to fix it. But it's like, you know, with a property manager, they could just take care of that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, they probably would have dragged their feet, you know, whereas I was able to do it in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is challenging because you just have to accept the fact that you're not there. Like, mm-hmm. You got to be good at getting things done through other people. So I would say if someone doesn't feel like they can do that, I don't know if investing out of state is for you because you can't drive by the property. Somebody could drive by it for you. Somebody can check things out for you. But you just have to vet and really get things done through other people because you're not there. Mm. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. So do you foresee your most of your portfolio being more out of state? properties or since you've talked to Mark, you might try to get more in the LA market. So right now I'm trying to get in the LA market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely want to get into the LA market. I think LA is a good, if I can get a piece, man, just, a, just right. a slice of if it. I huh? can get a piece. I definitely want to continue investing out of state, mm-hmm. but I think my next goal, I need to get a piece of LA, mm-hmm. get a multi-unit property out there. And, but yeah, out of state, I look at deals every day. Mm-hmm. Like I got a realtor set me up on the MLS search for property, I think under 50K. So I'm looking every day, just seeing what's out there. 
And I'm definitely planning to get out of state again eventually. So with the out of state piece, this is another thing I wanted to ask with it. I know you mentioned like delegating and building the team outside. Like how is that process, especially if you never like touch down in the state? I know you had like networks like bigger pockets to connect with other people, but like I mean, what they call it, bird dogs and all these people like that. How do you find those people, the contractors and all them, just network? Yeah, that's a good question. So for me, meeting that meeting that one woman on Bigger Pockets was huge because, mm-hmm. you know, she connected me to the heating company I needed. She's helping me right now through figuring out how to replace my tenant who's about mm-hmm. to move. She's walking me through those steps. So I think right. sometimes you can just find one person who can connect you to everything else. Mm. She connected me to the realtor who I use out there who... You know, we've gone through some deals, some have fell through, but, you know, I'd say if you can meet one person, whether it be through bigger pockets, whether it be through a local real estate investment association, which a lot of those are online now. Because the Bread of, Podcast. Yeah, the Bread Podcast. Social media. So I would say, you know, if there's a city you're interested in, start online see who you can find on Instagram, see who you can find on these different real estate forums. I mean, just try to talk to as many people as possible. And typically you'll have one person who can connect you to everyone else. So whether it's a property manager connects you to contractors and realtors and so forth, or a realtor who connects you to all those other parties or an investor who connects you to everybody in their network. So in my experience, I would say, you know, one person can kind of open up the floodgates, if you will, Mm. for you. Mm. That's really powerful because I think sometimes, especially on social media, we'll think, you know, I got to find that one perfect mentor. Like he said, you know, I got to be in all of these groups. I got to be on all of these different discussion boards trying to figure it out. But like you said, you just get you that one solid person and they can help you. They can connect you because they've been there before. Mm-hmm. They made the mistakes. They've met the bad people that you shouldn't mess with. And they met the people who's really solid, who can help you take it to the next level. Yep. So I think that's really important. And sometimes people, they get kind of scared to ask people for help, especially on social media. And even with people who are busy, they sometimes don't want to go out their way to help someone. So like, how did you connect with this lady? Was there some type of mutual beneficial that, you know, you might've helped her out with something. And she was like, you know what, Sam, you really solid. I'm gonna help you out as well. That's a good question. So what I remember, I was just DMing people. I'm like, if you comment in the forum and you invest in Dayton, wasn't that many people, I'm gonna just hit you up. I mean, she just so happened to be a black woman, which is cool. And we just started talking like as friends you know, through the messaging portal. I mean, she's like, you know, she could be my mother, you know? So I think she probably just saw me as like a younger guy who's trying to do things, trying to do positive things and just wanting to help people. She's a very given person. Like I was there visiting my property. She refused to let me buy a dinner, um, you know? But I think she just wants to help. And now she has like a concierge service for out-of-state investors. So I've referred people to her. I'll be using her services um, once, you know, take care of this tenant situation. But yeah, for me, you know, I've referred people to her. She asked me to leave her a review for her website that she launched recently. Um, so I think at the time when I started, I didn't really have nothing to offer to her. But thankfully, we stayed in contact. And as she developed her business, I've been able to refer people to her and return the favor. So sometimes, you know, people might just be interested in your ambition, interested in what you're doing, even if you haven't really accomplished anything and just take an interest in, in wanting to support you. But that's also a pivotal point of what you're mentioning. Because sometimes people are going to tell whenever people is like a bullshitter because mm-hmm. she probably saw you active in the group before, mm-hmm. like really talking and stuff. Whereas there's some people, they want something for nothing. Yeah. Like they're not willing to put the work in. Like David said, yeah. you know, they just want they the results. On, yeah, they want the results. <laughs> I, I hate them. But man. they're not willing to put in the work. They're yeah. not willing to get their hands dirty. 
and things like that. Yeah. So that's cool that she really just saw you for who you were. Mm-hmm. And even down the line, you're like, okay, now I can help you with referring these people to you. Now I got my podcast. I got a network. I don't know who might be able to help you, but now I got these people Mm -hmm. that you can start talking to. So that's really dope how you're able to pave it forward, like down the road. Definitely. Definitely, man. I'm glad I was able to to help her out because she's done a lot for me. She still does. So I definitely, definitely appreciate her. She's helped me to not freak out as much being so far away because, you know, she's done drive-bys for me, like checked on the work. She's done so much. She's done a lot. And Dayton's a small city, so you can get around pretty quickly. But yeah, she's helped to calm my nerves for sure. Yeah, that's really, really <laughs> dope, man. So I kind of want to go back to the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it. You know, sometimes podcasting can be hard. Like what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going to keep on putting in the work with your podcast? Like you say, you 70 episodes in. That's not a small feat. Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I believe it's part of my purpose. Mm. And someone once told me that, you know, your purpose is not about you. It's bigger than you. So for me, on the days that I don't want to record or on the days that I have two, three back-to-back interviews, I'm just thinking about who it's going to impact. You mm-hmm. know, I think about receiving messages saying, you know, your podcast is the reason I purchased my property. Your podcast is the reason I connected with this guest and they helped me do this. They helped me do that. Like someone emailed me, DM me a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week. She said, hey, Sam, I just purchased a property in New York. I'm 40 some episodes in. Everything the guests have been talking about has helped me invest. So those kind of messages, those kind of comments, they keep me going because I know, you know, sometimes you podcast and you're like, are people even listening? But then you get these really nice messages mm-hmm. from people. And I just always try to think about the fact that it's bigger than me. You know, like the podcasting thing is completely outside of the type of person I am. I kind of just chill and stay in the background. But, you know, the fact that I'm doing this, I know it's bigger than me. And, you know, we've been behind, man. We've been behind Thanks. for centuries. So, you know, we need to catch up, mm-hmm. you know, and we all need to do our part to help us catch up in the wealth race. And, you know, even if someone buys one property that could set up their next generation, like even if you buy one, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be like this big mogul with like apartment buildings and hundred units. Like you could just get one property for you and your family to live in. And that could set your family up. You know, once that's paid off, you can use the equity to start a business. You can use some equity to, send your kids to college. You could sell the property and do something else with the money. Like it can change your life forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, I'm just passionate about sharing stories that I feel aren't being told, you know, like some of my greatest joys are people who, you know, my podcast is the first podcast they've been on and they're a pretty accomplished investor. They have dozens of doors and nobody knows about them. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of stories I want to put out. So those are some of the things that keep me going. Hey, that's really, really dope, bro. Kelly, did you have something you were about to say? It looked like you was about to say something. No, I was—I actually was going to switch gears and kind of talk about the bread. I, I was really wanting to get into that part, portion of the podcast. All right. What yeah. you got with it? If you could go in and explain exactly. So I see the shirt you have on. Yeah. This is talking about your bread. How did you get into that? And how did that start? Yeah. So I just I realized that I was looking for black podcasts. And mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure they exist. I just couldn't find them. So I asked one of my friends, I'm like, hey, what if, what if I started a podcast about black real estate investors? He said, just do it. And so this was in the summer of 2019 and a couple months after the podcast started, he made the logo, he makes all the design, he did the website, he does everything on my design for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it started and you know, just trying to fulfill a need for the community. Hey man, that's dope, my brother. And I kind of want to go into 
like, what's your why? What makes you want to build generational wealth? Any kids yet? No kids yet? No kids yet. Okay. So what's that driving factor? What's making you want to say, okay, I'm trying to do this and build this legacy? Man, that's a great question. So my parents, they're not from this country. My parents are both from Haiti. Mm -hmm. Both grew up in pretty tough circumstances and they, you know, we had a pretty good child, pretty good life. You know, I can't complain, but I just know I need to take it a step further. You know, like there's no house being passed down to me. There's no wealth being passed down to me. And I don't blame them. You know, you come to this country, you do the best you can. And we turned out pretty good. So for me, I just think it's just about thinking about the next generation, thinking about like my kids, thinking about my future kids, what I want them to have, thinking about the world, just like leaving it a better place. And again, like, Every day, I always think about the fact that we're so behind, you know, so I got to grind every day. Yeah. Mm. You know, I got to put something out every day. I got to find a way to help people every day, you know? So it's not just about me and my family, but it's about like everybody who's being touched and impacted by the mm -hmm. podcasts, by courses, whatever the case is. So I think it's twofold, just wanting to have my future family be set up pretty well and empower others with the information to mm -hmm. do the same. The go giver mentality, man. You give more whenever you give. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. How old are you, my brother? I'll be 30 next month. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Hey, so <laughs> what does the next 10 years look like for you? Yeah, man. So just wanting to grow bread. Um, hope it'll blow up hey. in the next couple of years. Consistency. That's all yeah. it is. Whenever it happens, you got the back catalog and they'll be like, man, what's going on? That's how it always is with the, like evergreen content, especially yeah. like podcasts. That's what I love about podcasting. It's like all it takes is for one episode or one, like one thing to blow up. And then you got this whole back catalog mm -hmm. that everybody can go to. Like I, I talk about people we don't like Vlad. Vlad is one of the people I hate, but Vlad made money. I seen one quote he had one time. It's like, bro, I had thousands of videos before I blew up, but nobody gave a damn about what I was doing. But whenever I had that one that blew up, I had all this back catalog and not everybody going through it. And, it's almost like digital real estate. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Cash I machine. I agree, man. I agree. So yeah, grow bread. I hope to have dozens and dozens of units somewhere in America, whether it be California, whether it be, you know, out of state and just happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be able to provide for my family and just continue to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's always been the core of what I do. So as long as I'm doing something to help people, I think I'll be all right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Can't never go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah man. So, Got to, like you said, had a go giver mentality. Yes, indeed. Definitely. So, Sam, my brother, we're going to pivot into the last segment of the and show. And we didn't tell you about this. No, we didn't Sorry give him a, we didn't give him a free warning. I'm, but I'm, I think, I think he's prepared. Yeah, I, I think, think he's, he's prepared. prepared, too. <laughs> I think he's somebody that's ready for this. Yeah. So, all right, Sam, we want to ask you, my brother, what's on your timeline? So, I'm, like, what's something you've seen on social media, internet, anywhere that, like, stood out to you you want to speak on? Like, something that, you know, you just felt it like, hey, man, I feel a way about this. Let me say something. Yeah, man, that's a good one. I knew that was coming. I should prepare more <laughs> for it. Yeah, so there's there's something, man. We kind of spoke about it earlier. There's a lot of nine to five shaming, mm -hmm. especially the last couple months. Like I have a nine to five. I'm good with it. I'm thankful for it. You know, I'll have it so I don't need to have it anymore. But I think everybody has a different path, right? Some people are able to just kind of get rid of the nine to five, pivot right into what it is they want to do. And that's great. But, you know, I think you can do a nine to five and still do all the other stuff, still invest, mm -hmm. still do all these things, you know, either side that you fall on, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But I think I would love for people, I think it's well-intentioned, but I would love for people to just encourage people who are in both paths, you know, whether I decide to quit my nine to five today to go to full-time entrepreneurship 
or I keep my nine to five and do my other stuff for some time. I think both sides just support one another. You know, there's mm-hmm. something we can help each other with. There's information we can help each other with. I don't think it has to be either or necessarily, but if it is for some people, that's fine. You know? So I think that has been pretty interesting to see. Uh, it's a lot of interesting conversations. I'm sure y'all are all privy to yeah. that are taking place regarding that. So yeah, that's like one thing I've seen on my timeline that triggers a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I feel you, man. Ian, the one that said this, I always quote this whenever somebody say that, like, yeah, it's easy to tell everybody to go quit their job, but mm-hmm. it's like, I think the average entrepreneur makes less than $30,000 a year. I went into full-time entrepreneurship last year. Mm-hmm. I ain't do too much better than that. I'm not going to sit here and fake the funk for people. It's like, if you got a job that's paying you and you could do all these things on the side, don't tell yourself you got to do this just because. Mm-hmm. But like, if it's something, I think it all comes down to what you're going like to you say, your personal path mm-hmm. and your purpose. Like, if you feel and you know that's part of your purpose, then do what's for you. But like, don't let nothing that you see on the internet or people saying things pressure you into situations that's going to put you somewhere in an unfavorable situation. It all comes back to like your risk tolerance, your responsibilities and like your personal journey. It's all about you at the end of the day. Definitely. I agree 100 percent, man. Mm. Yeah, y'all just got me thinking, man. Just thinking about <laughs> no, because it is like different paths, too, because you got some people, they're nine to five workers and they're making like great money. Mm-hmm. And you also got some people in like shitty situations, mm-hmm. like they're just getting paid minimum wage. So it's like you say, you just got to go with what's best for you. Mm-hmm. I definitely think like if you're in a shitty situation, minimum wage, and you're like overworked, you got to put like 80 hours, 90 hours mm-hmm. just to be decent. I don't think you should trade all of that time mm-hmm. just to be in a decent situation. I definitely think give those 40 hours a week, like give those 40 hours a week, but all that extra time, those 90, those extra 50 hours that you're putting in to one job, try to figure out a way where you can start making some side income so you can get out of that nine to five that's really draining you. Because there's some people that's really overworked and undervalued in the workforce. I agree 100%. You know, working in HR for all these years, you see a whole lot of stuff, man. So yeah, you're right about that. What's it like working in HR? Man, so the job I had before this one was a lot more most of my experience is like recruiting, just hiring people. Mm-hmm. But the last job I had was like more HR involved. So like, you know, the HR side of things, so compliance and salary and all that stuff. And man, there's people making very little money at the school I was working at. And it's just like, man, like- In Cali? In Cali. I'm like, how do y'all survive? Mm. But in my mind, I'm like, I hope you have like a little business on the side or a side hustle or something, which is something else I feel like a lot of people need to make sure they do. Because for most people- one source of income too close to none. There you yeah. go. So it's interesting working at HR. Like I've seen people get fired due to COVID. People get a pay cut. A whole lot of stuff happens. So, I mean, it's important to make sure, you know, you're secure and you got stuff going on outside of the job because that could be gone any day, especially now. Mm. And with you being in HR, like mm-hmm. the hiring aspect, do you think that kind of helped you with finding some of the people on your team since you're out of the state now because you kind of know what to look for in certain people? I think so, especially like the person to person aspect, like building rapport with people and being able to ask the right questions. It's a little bit different because, you know, it's real estate specific. But I think a lot of those skills from HR recruiting have transitioned to like the podcasting, like talking to people, networking, think things of that nature. So I think it's definitely helped because you're able to start reading people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I definitely think it's helped. And I say that to ask to tie it back into what you were talking about with the what's on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Also with the nine to fives. 
a lot of people don't understand how to leverage the skills that they're developing at a nine to five. Mm -hmm. Because although, once again, it might not be the most ideal situation for you, there's always something that you can learn. No matter if you're a cashier, no matter if you're in the recruitment office, no matter if you're a manager, you can always learn different things. Uh, cashier, you can learn how to count faster. You can learn how to do the books. You can learn how to do all of these different things that can make you a better employee. Maybe you can transfer that over into counting, keeping the books in a business or starting a bookkeeping business mm -hmm. as a sideline. Also, like what you said with the hiring and the recruiting, there's a lot of entrepreneurs right now that might need help finding and figuring out, yo, how can I find the best pieces for my team? Because I know that's something that we faced also, mm -hmm. like just building our team, trying to figure out who's the best fit and all of these different things. So I definitely would suggest anyone who's out there listening to this, definitely just take any of the skills that you might take for granted that you're learning at your job. I definitely suggest that you take those and figure out how you can transfer those and really transform those into greater gifts that you got in your life. I agree 100%, man. That, that's all I got. Sorry, y'all. That was, that was, <laughs> no, that was my little TED talk. Jared Kelly, man, y'all had anything y'all want to share on that piece, man? I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. Definitely, you know, just trying to take the different things that you might be learning the different aspects of your nine to five and trying to apply those over to different things that you could do. You know what I mean? Like as far as even for personally with my job, I work at Enterprise and I help with renting cars. I also do a lot of claims with damaged cars. And so one thing I was recently looking into was like auto adjusting. Uh, I didn't realize that was a lane to make money, but apparently it's something you can do independently. There's always a bunch of different things that you can do with your job or skills that you can take and apply to other stuff. Insurance claims adjuster. I can do auto and I can do property, bro. Yeah, see, I didn't know there was such a market for auto, like independently. I thought that was more so handled like all in-house until like I came across some other stuff and I was just like, oh, wait, you can do this. Like I, I do claims all day at work. I had a car come back with a gunshot wound the other day. <laughs> I do claims all the time. It <laughs> <laughs> hey, is dope though, man. And that same claim that you're doing could be leveraged. So just to stress that point that Sam was bringing up initially, your nine to five is your first investor. As always, you use that knowledge and the capital that they provide to level up and continue to grow. As definitely, man. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sam, definitely want to say thank you. Yeah. For coming up, pulling up on us, my brother. This has been definitely, a great man. episode. Well, for everybody who want to follow you, want to tap in, want to listen to bread, want to follow you on Instagram, on yeah, Twitter. Can you, yeah. What can they follow you and keep up with you? Yeah, so the best place to find all the resources, courses, community, all that stuff, blackrealestatedialogue.com. And then on Instagram, follow me at blackrealestatedialogue and you'll find everything there. Courses, merch, our real estate community, all that stuff. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to find what it What type there. of courses you got? What, what type of products you offer? Yeah, so the main one is uh, I have a beginner's guide to buying your first out-of-state property. And the reason I made that is because I was scrambling for like a year, mm -hmm. not really knowing what to do as it related to buying the first property. So I literally had a focus group of about eight people who spent a few weeks with me kind of really structuring the entire course. So it goes through A to Z, like how to find a market, how to analyze a market, how to finance the deal, who you need to have on your team, how to vet these people. Um, I go through case studies. So the deal that worked out, several others that fell through for me. I go through inspection reports. It's very comprehensive. Mm. Um, and for me, it's like, I market to beginners because sometimes you just need help getting to that one. And then after that, it's like a snowball effect. Like, you a, take like, off. like, like an expert who has 30, 40 doors, you don't need my help. But some people might just 
have that missing piece. They just don't know how to get to the first one. And so, you know, it's a great course. You know, we've had a lot of people who've taken advantage of it. So that's the primary course that I sell. And then we also have the bread real estate investing community. Mm -hmm. uh, we have real estate investors come do guests, you know, they do lectures twice a month. They have Q and A and all that stuff. So that's the second main thing I would say for people to tap into. Ain't like a black done. bigger pockets. Hey, I love but it. I love you it. get to the bread. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to do the best I can. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Sam, once again, thank you, my brother, for coming down to Dallas. Come tapping in with us, my brother. <laughs> Definitely got to say thank you for that. Uh, appreciated man. it. A uh, really great episode. And I learned a lot about the Olive State investing. Definitely got to look into those turnkey properties. If y'all want to get into Olive State investing, I definitely suggest y'all take notes from this. I hope y'all took notes. Also, if you are a new listener, I want to say thank you for tapping mm -hmm. in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please go back and listen to some previous episodes that we had. Um, also, if you've been here with us, I want to say thank you for always listening with us, uh, tapping in with us. Thank you for the growth that we've been experiencing. Mm. If you're a long time listener, this ain't your first time here. I need you to go ahead. If you've been tuning in week after week, man, I need you to go and leave that five-star review for your boy. Five-star review. Sign up for the Patreon. Y'all join up for the Patreon so you can get these ad-free episodes, these episodes earlier than expected. I know y'all have been realizing we've been dropping two a week on y'all. Like, we have been turning up. Uh, Jared, do you have the most recent review for your boys, man? Yes, I do. Uh, we got a review from AB0561. I was thinking about going to buy a truck this month, so this episode was right on time. Thank y'all for doing what you do. Apparently, they listened to one of the trucking episodes, and they got some real good info out of that. So we thank you. Big shout out to them for, you know, being a fan and listening to the show. And I'm happy we can give you enough information to go buy that first truck. Hey, we love it. We love it. We love it. And shout and out to you. I got to give a shout out to Big Ad 45 as well. Big Ad 45 was talking about episode 104 with Terrica saying that it was life changing, man. Talking about how it really, like it really impacted her as a black woman in America to really help her understand the things that she can achieve. So shout out to everybody who tunes in. Once again, y'all leading five star ratings and reviews, man. But uh, what else y'all got, fellas? Hey man, that's all I got for this. Hey, man. what's that? What's that number they can text to get in touch? Oh, with yeah, them? yeah, 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 yeah. Text the word pod P O D. Text the word pod to 337-455-7778. I don't care if you text me late, you can hit me up on the load and say no, Mike Jones. <laughs> but look, I promise this is worth it. You can get all the latest episodes, all the latest updates around the podcast. You can learn about our latest events that we got coming up. Um, I ain't even going to talk about the Dallas event. Just know it was lit because by the time y'all hear this, it's been over with, but it was lit. Y'all definitely join the text group so you can learn about these opportunities and be on the lookout for the summer tour. The summer tour, we're going to be in a city near you. I ain't going to tell y'all which city, but be on the lookout. We coming. And until yeah. next time. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.